All right, so we're going to start off tonight with the facts from last week, from episode seven. And we're going to start, it's like I said, where do they film this? Where did they film Dragonstone? Because, man, did, like, I love those uh, those ridges. And, like, it, it just was a beautiful place. And so our friends over at Pop Sugar, you know, I got a couple of friends that work over there. What's up? Yeah, this article came out August 11th, uh, 2017. Andrea Rear. Uh, talks about that, uh, Game of Thrones, you know, Danny, Daenerys Targaryen, you heard of her? Uh, she's our Khaleesi, by the way. She returned to her ancestral home of Dragonstone, Seaside Castle, down by the seaside. But where was this place? Well, the beaches where Danny's forces land, uh, is Rune Beach in Zoom, Zoom, Zoomia, in Mur, Mur, holy mackerel, Muriola Beach, uh, Near Baraka, Barika, Barika, both of them, whatever proper pronunciations are, you know, here's a pretty place. It's the northern coast of Spain. I'd like to be there, uh, 60 miles apart. I would be just chilling. It will now be like playing on those ridges, too. And there were some exterior shots. This makes sense. Downhill Strand in the county of Derry in Ireland. And you can go on a Game of Thrones filming tour when you visit Belfast, Ireland. Uh, so those are the beaches, northern Spain. Yeah, some of the, you know, those hilly shots, County Derry. Uh, and then the winding staircase that Jon Snow and Davos go up, uh, where Davos does his own mansplaining. Uh, that's on a islet, uh, islet bonita, in my opinion. Uh, called Gaz Tel Ug Axe Castle Rock uh, in the Bay of Biscay in northern Spain. So get to northern Spain. Now there's no castle; that's CGI. But there is a small church, San Juan, uh, the name of the island, uh, dedicated to John the Baptist. So check it out. You know, like seriously, if you're going to be touring, why not get some Game of Thrones touring in uh, while you're there? And I don't know if any, probably the cast doesn't need to go on these tours, but you know, if any of the cast did, um, want me to interpret for them anywhere, I'd do it. Uh, so, so, so I wanted to talk, I was going to talk about movie, movie in the album Quadrophenia and, and that talks a little bit about the mod, uh, the whole mod era in, in London. But you know what brings it up for me is Alfie Allen, who plays uh, Thoros. No, he doesn't play Thoros of Mir. I don't know why. Theon Greyjoy. I don't know what it is. I, like, like, Theon's a tough character, and I really identify with Theon. And I think it must be an incredibly difficult role for an actor to play. But there's just something about the look of Alfie Allen that says to me 70, like, like I know the, uh, Quadrophenia in the fifties, it's maybe the movie came out in the seventies though, but there's just, he has a real, like in a good way, a seventies, uh, like movies, like moody movies set in England feel to me. Like when I think of him and I'm not kidding, the word mod just pops into my head the whole time. Mod, I see, I see, like, after I say, oh boy, Theon, like, then I have to, like, uh, kind of detach myself to Theon. So then I say, okay, it's just an actor. Theon's not real, Drew. So it's not like, like, uh, like, don't let your internal critic, you know, grasp onto it for the future, you know. 
And they said, well, geez, is he, he's very mod. Is, is he mod? And then, so that's why I was thinking about it. But let's start off with a uh, movie review. And I don't have a, uh, like a Ro- Ro- Roger Ebert uh, review, but I do have one from the New York Times. Uh, November 2nd, 1979, Janet Maslin uh, uh, does a rock drama from a Who album, Mods and Rockers. And I'll link to it, but uh, like the the article says, the results of my informal survey about Quadrophenia have been tabulated. And most moviegoers think this is either a concert film or a rock opera, or that the title refers to a quadraphonic soundtrack. Not true. It's a dramatic film, gritty, ragged, and sometimes quite beautiful. It happens to incorporate rock songs and be saddled with a silly title. Though it's not a movie for everyone, Quadrophenia is something very special. It demands and deserves some special allowances. Uh, uh, set in England in 1964, populated by mods and rockers, bands of teenagers who speak with thick accents, and it might be hard for Americans to, to, to totally in, to decipher all that, and that's why it hadn't traveled well. But its foreignness has perverse advantages, hoping to, helping to recast situations that might be commonplace in American end of adolescence movie, and making them remote enough to just just remote enough to seem fresh. Uh, Frank Rodham, the director, lends the film a clarity of emotion that keeps it becoming from becoming too confusing. Uh, the story is very very loosely derived from album by the Who, which was an ambitious undertaking about a teenage boy, Jimmy, who's so acutely sensitive to social pressures, he developed a four-way schizophrenia of the title. Uh, Jimmy's condition was illustrated rather than described by four separate melodies, uh, one associated with each member of the Who, that eventually merged into one transcendent theme. Uh, The specific ending of the album called for Jimmy, you know, I don't want to spoil it, uh, like, let's see, but Quadrophenia, as directed and co-written by Mr. Rodham, is perhaps a little bit too raw to have com- culminated with a pie-in-the-sky ending. Uh, Jimmy, played by uh, avid-looking Phil Daniels, is a cheerful, unexceptional fellow, by no means a who's a super, hypersensitive hero. So there's a lot more. I, I just don't want to get into uh, the, the specifics to, to, to ruin it, but that's a review of Quadrophenia. So I guess this will get into the specifics by reading about it. It's a British drama film, uh, 79, based on the 73 album by The Who. And unlike the adaptation of Tommy, Quadrophenia is not a musical film, and the band is not in the film. Stars Phil Daniels as a 60s London-based mod who escapes from his long dead-end job as a mailroom boy uh, by getting, you know, partying hard and riding his scooter uh, dealing with the motorcycle rockers and the trouble in Brighton, the seaside town of Brighton, and uh, then his uh, discovers uh, his uh, idol Ace Face is a bellboy at a stings in it. So there you go. There's another reason to see it. And so yeah, so like I don't know, maybe like I don't think they should redo that movie, but Alfie Allen should be on their. Uh, if you're doing any 70s style movies, you get this dude. I mean, the dude that, like, he's a talented, talented actor. I think everybody knows that. And he was in a movie uh, with Keanu Reeves, but he kind of played a Theon esque character in that movie a little bit, uh, like, a, like a little bit jerkier version of Theon. 
Another question that came up for me, this will be the last fact of this episode, um, was when uh, we had all, like at the beginning, when we had all the uh, Unsullied standing there, I said, is that a legion? Like how many how many people are in a legion? What are those uh, like rectangles of soldiers called? Is that a legion? You may think the whole group would be a legion because I looked up Roman legion on Wikipedia. It was the largest, so the largest unit of the Roman army. So it might have been a legion of unsullied. 3,000 men in early times to 1,500 in imperial times, uh, consisting of centuries as the basic units. Uh, until the middle of the first century, 10 cohorts so it was about 5,000 men that made it. So Roman legion. Then it was nine cohorts, and the first cohort was double strength. Uh, Legion may have met the entire army early on, but uh, they don't have proof of that. Uh, but it, I think there's 8,000 unsullied or 7,000, so that's pretty close to region. Uh, by the 3rd century, the Legion was a much smaller unit of 1,000 to 1,500 men. What was the smaller? Armies consisted of auxiliaries, uh, Overview of typical organization and street. Because legions were not permanent units until the Marian reforms of 107 BC, a legion consisted of several cohorts uh, and legionnaires, uh, and a unit of could be auxiliaries. So this doesn't really help me like answer that. Uh, oh, here's a. Uh, uh, le- legions were composed of the following units: cavalry, cal- 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 cavalry, uh, light infantry. Is that light infantry or are they heavy in- infantry? You think they're light infantry? So I don't know. There, there was a group of like there was all those rectangles. So, so I don't. I guess they're not like a legion. So I guess you could say that was a legion, the whole group. But was they cohorts? I thought a cohort was like a work thing where. It wasn't, you weren't in real trouble, but it, like, they're like, oh, you should be in a cohort so other people can advise you because your decision making's not so hot. Yeah, but, that, but again, that could just be me. Centurion, that's, uh, I'm still looking for answers here. Uh, these are just like the special duties. How much did they get paid? Uh, uh, legionnaires got 225 denarii a year, which was, uh, who knows how much that was. Uh, uh, discipline. We don't need to know that. Uh, so anyway, that, I guess that was uh, we auxiliary. Let's see. No, no, I forgot cohort. I don't see anyway. That's a little fact. And let's talk about season seven now, or the whole season. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna do a, like a run for, through of what I can remember. Uh, season seven. It's Thursday night when I'm recording this, like uh, the Thursday, like right after the season finale came out, I think, or is it a week after? No, it came out on Sunday. Yeah, so it just came out like four days ago or five days ago. I watched it a bunch of times. And, you know, the big things we kind of covered, like it kind of was hard because it wasn't 10 episodes. And I don't read, like, I try to avoid, I definitely avoid spoilers. And my brother's big into, like, watching all the YouTube stuff. So then I have to say, don't talk to me about this stuff. Because he knows, like, all the, like, he goes to all those YouTube, theory, you know, the people that are, like, really good at theorizing stuff. Uh, 
And he did spoil me on one thing like two or three seasons ago. So I haven't, I don't, I don't think I'll ever be over that. But you know, you got, you that's like, that's life, you know. Can't see everything in all or nothing, Khaleesi. You got to see it in the great grays of uh, Gray Worm and the North. But so what I'm saying is, I don't know what, like, I, I, so I did do some reading just because, like, uh, there's some great writers over at the New Yorker, just some great Game of Thrones writers. I don't want to name any names that I enjoy reading their reaction. I think they're very funny. So normally after I record an episode, then I'll read some of those just for laughs and say, oh, wait a second, I didn't notice that or whatever. And just like with the hopes they say, well, I got a joke in that they didn't get, like they didn't, they didn't make a joke about something that I made a joke about. That makes, gives me, helps with my low self, you know, helps build up my self-esteem, at least on paper. And like, uh, but so, but I feel like this season like, I know discussing it, like, with my brother Ken, it, it was like, uh, this was a different, starting with, like, where the world was expanding, and now it's coming back together. I think they, maybe Weiss or Benioff talked about that at the end of the last episode. And they can be tough. Like, and my brother kind of said that it's just hard to watch this show now, where it's going, and they're trying to gather everybody and get them ready for this, uh, like, what's going on. And I say, okay, well, yeah, like, it's tough. Uh, it's weird, uh, like, and I don't know if this is because of peak television or whatever you want to call it, or the gold, like the platinum. I would call this platinum age. I'm not going to mess around with the golden age. Uh, I assume when you say the platinum age, it's better than uh, that, but who knows? But like, uh, where you have these long relationships and like the internet to discuss your relationships with these shows, uh, and that they can, they have the luxury of coming to an end. It's it's interesting. I wonder what an anthropologist would say about all this. It would really like uh, boggle my mind. But so I think it is like they. I think they did a good job because it didn't seem like there was that many um, subplots really this season. And I mean, with seven episodes, you really can't do that. So we can talk about all the different plots or subplots or whatever that were going on. And I guess we just have to live with like. Uh, I mean, I don't know. For me, it's like, like, like enjoyable in some sense is seeing some of these characters coming together, seeing the Starks return home. That was really inevitable. And like, I mean, one of the things I did talk about a few episodes ago was like, I really feel like this season is giving people like, especially the Starks, but other characters as well. And it's mostly subtextually, but no, a lot of it is in the dialogue and stuff to say, hey, this happened to me and it had an impact on me and it hasn't been easy. Or saying, hey, I know that had an impact on you, like Sansa and Arya talking about it. And I guess, like, uh, I don't know, I like that, that, that it's just not always moving forward. It's looking back, not just at the events as they occurred, but at the events in the imprint, the events have left on the characters, the human, the human side of that. And, and I don't, I, well, first of all, are people from Westeros human? I, I, like, I think I asked that, and I don't know if I've got an answer. Uh, I haven't tried to ask George or uh, Weiss or Benioff because I just don't want to get, like, I don't want to get blocked or whatever. But uh, let's just assume they are, or they're like such close, uh, they're so close that it doesn't make a difference then. Oh, oh, sorry. My brain just asked if I was human. And I said, that's like, but my brain was serious about that question too. 
So, okay, so, so, okay, so criticisms of the season. One, it was too short. I guess that's a, like a natural criticism. I, I did hear a lot of, uh, like about Danny and John getting together, but I think they dealt with it in an interesting way to say this is going to be a pretty complex, uh, like, uh, like the way they did it at the last episode with the voiceover, the brand over, uh, or the, you know, the flashback over and Tyrion's look, maybe Tyrion in that case was a proxy, not for the audience, but for, uh, the, the reality of the situation. Like, I don't know if, like, I haven't read anything about what, what people speculate his look meant, uh, but it could just be a pained look of like, uh, that, like, uh, he knows this isn't, you know, this was both inevitable and going to be painful and probably not going to grow, go great. And even when John and uh, Danny were kind of with with one another, it didn't look like it, it looked like it was going pretty well, but it didn't look like it was exactly going like uh, phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm just like 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 thinking about that. This was like what was intentional, you know. Like, it was like, hey, it's going good, but, it, like, we're both, you know, she's, you know, looking at you. Either one of them could say, you know, how could it go not good? But I don't know, like, were toes curling? I guess that would be a fair question. And, like, I think maybe Tyrion's look represents said, Jesus, I don't feel any ter- toes curling. Did I almost say terse curling or something? But, but so, I, I don't know. I think that's interesting. And I do, I did have like a little bit of it, like, it's just like, I'm like, who, like, like, uh, you knew this was going to happen. So it's like, like, that's all that I said is people getting like, uh, really irritated about it. I said, well, it's, you knew it was going to happen. And then like, if it didn't happen, what would they do? Like, uh, you know, and, and like I said, when the Khaleesi's in love, like, holy mackerel, like, uh. It was like the the peak of my attractedness to 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 Cersei was uh, when she was like the night when she was drinking all the wine. I think season two, battle like the battle of, of uh, Blackwater, and so it's just interesting when my peak attraction to characters is. Um, says says a lot about me. So I'm trying to figure out a way to move on immediately. Um, so I don't know. So so I don't know what more to say there is about John and Danny. Let's see. So what else was uh, people didn't seem happy about? I mean, I think it was this whole. Um, so let's say, I guess let's get into the, the, the subplots or the plots. So in, in the unresolved ones. So let's just start with the Stark, the other Stark children. So we had the Sansa story and the Arya story and then the Sansa Arya Baelish story. And I think from the Sansa only story, it was powerful. Like Sansa is coming into her own and then fully came into her own as the warden in the north. Or, I mean, uh, the Lady of Winterfell. I, I, I think she became the warden of the north, uh, you know, starting with her machinations, uh, bringing like Baelish in to save the day. And so I think this is just interesting, like carrying and building momentum for Sansa into the next season. We don't know what'll happen. So that was interesting, but also saying, hey, this past has had some impact on me. So I'm still not sure, you know, it's going to take me seven episodes uh, to find my way because I've been through a lot. So that was interesting. Then we had Arya returning home and like we kind of talked about early on, like, uh, 
when you've changed so much, a return home can be very difficult. Uh, because she's still Arya, as we learned by the end of the season. But she, in some sense, is a completely... She's been through a lot, too. And so she is a much different person. I wouldn't say a completely different person, but... I mean, maybe that was on the big board when they started the season. Can Arya return home, like, emotionally? And so that question kind of got answered in that, like, I mean, I guess we knew that wherever Arya ended up, she would be an asset, uh, at least to Arya and to whoever she was uh, taking sides with. Clearly, you know, uh, like, Arya's a plus. And, And I guess it was good that it wasn't an easy season for me in my relationship with Ari just because I didn't understand what was happening and I was kind of dreading what I thought was going to happen. And they, they masterfully like pretty much turned the tables on me or, or at least like left me uncertain. So I was able to enjoy that. Like in, instead of just being Aria fanboy, which is like every other season is simple. I'm Aria fanboy, you know, and I'm team team Aria, I mean team team Davos. But then da- well, we'll talk about Davos uh, short, short for, as short as we can. Uh, so that was good. And then we had the the, the relationship with uh, Arya, uh, Baelish, and uh, Sansa, and they kind of ended up playing out like in a way that at least there was enough misdirection and emotional complication and history between Arya and Sansa that wasn't clear. Like, it was like, oh, okay, is this how it's playing out, that they're playing Baelish? Or I guess when you look at it, like, afterwards, it could have played, like, we don't know how it played out because we didn't see everything. And I almost think that's better unanswered. It's like, oh, when did Arya and Sansa catch on? Uh, Because it probably took Sansa seven episodes, uh, to really like become like reach her fullness after her full confidence and and have kind of her steam wash in and inform her choices maybe and like inform like like it felt like another thing I guess that I'm just thinking of now is like there was a lot of shame in kind of being tossed around between the three of them. Uh, I don't think Ari or Sansa was really doing any shaming of anybody else, but, uh, you know, she was kind of being pushed to shame, shame for being like a human and making, you know, having complicated choices and then having to make a choice in a complicated situation. And I don't know what my point was about that other than that it's not easy to like, like have your self-esteem then rise up and pull you out of the shame and say, no, like, like, uh, you, 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 like you won't shame me basically, Peter Baelish, or you shame to manipulate me and maybe to Aria, we don't know, like say, Hey, no, uh, I'm doing the best. I think she did say that. Like I did the best I can. Like, uh, I'm a good person. Like, you know, it's just complicated choices. And so that was interesting, and I think it was delicious, you know, the way it resolved itself. Uh, it was sweet justice, uh, and it was just good to see them, the two of them together, and then, you know, for Sansa's kind of closing, you know, to kind of they address each other. But then she says, you're still freaking weird, like, creeping me out. And Ari says, that's right, uh, you know, wouldn't be any other way, more or less. Uh, so true sibling, I don't know like, uh, what the writer's situation is, but it felt like a real sibling moment. 
I mean, I guess a brand like like the, he's still in the WTF zone because he's just like I think what that was like with the embrace. It's like he's like already. I mean, he's been through a lot, and he knows it. Like, uh, it's just like it's just another character for me to identify with. He's like, yeah, like, and then I think it was just good that they kind of uh, they didn't hammer it home, but we had the second, like, the second time with uh, this time with Sam Waltarly to say, "What the heck's a three-eyed raven, dude?" And like, whoa, that's interesting. You see, all terrific. Uh, like, whoa, get me out of here. So, I mean, we didn't see really the human side of Bran because he may not be human anymore. He, he's a three-eyed raven. So, I don't know if there was criticism of that, but it, it's just like Bran's weird now because he's not really, a, he's not a normal, he's not a normal person anymore. It was just a fact. I think he tried to explain that to Mira. I guess in a way, similar to be like, hey, I, like, I'm sorry, like, I'm not, like, I'm a three-eyed raven, oh, so, I'm oh, so raven, but not like raven Simone, like a three-eyed raven from the Norse, used to be on Strange Brew, then it became a man who lived in a tree and was also a tree, and now I'm down here just doing, you know, like, uh, and then he got to have, like, a peak moment where he took, got to turn the, help turn the tables on Baelish. And he definitely seems like an asset in this situation. So, uh, like, we'll see. I mean, I saw one theory that I was like, what the heck? Like, uh, but I don't know. Like, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, so it's Bran, Arya, Sansa. I'm trying to think what else happened in Winterfell. Uh, anything else I need to check in? I mean, Br- Bran, like, uh, we had a lot of delightful moments as you bring the characters together. And then I guess you do have to focus on these ma- more major stories. You don't get a lot of Brienne time, but we did get like a little bit and we got a tiny bit of pod time. We didn't even get a lot of Tyrion time this season because uh, there's just a lot going on. I mean, he had a lot of heavy lifting to do body language and facially, uh, Peter Dinklage. Um, and it's, it's through the moments he did have of dialogue, and he was kind of in a tough position, not as a just actor, but as a character, to kind of be like uh, uh, trying to steer the Khaleesi in one particular direction. So I kind of feel like the main stories this season were the, the Stark story, which we covered then, and then the Lannister story, which I guess we could cover next, which was uh, really... Um, I don't think got enough attention. I don't think, I don't know if Jamie's, uh, like, d- d- journey, like, uh, maybe because it's like, is it not plausible? And I'm not talking about his physical journey. Like, uh, it, did it have one too many turns? So, I mean, it was really enjoyable, enjoyable for me to experience. And remember, I'm watching these episodes four or five times. And I'm a regular dude, so like there is enough in me that's like like uh, jealous of like uh, like J- Jamie, and kind of encountered his kind of character, which is like uh, what do they call it, like a, like a himbo or whatever. I don't know what you call it, but uh, but I don't know. I really like I, I, like again. I found the acting just like uh, it, like it went to another level this season, and maybe that was what what made me enjoy about this journey. And I think Cersei's journey, like, um, 
I guess she has almost entered this irredeemable territory, which we talk about, like, the last kind of character that was like that was the dude up at Craster's Keep, um, whose name I forget now, that I wrote the musical about. I don't know if it, like, like, uh, I don't even know what season that was, but, um, yeah, I'm just thinking, I wonder, but seriously, ever since her last confrontation, uh, like with before Baylor, uh, like where she kind of, uh, uh, has this showdown and she's like, oh, we're all like, uh, like, like once everybody kind of turns against her and it seems like she's on the downside and then she like takes it to another level with Baylor. I mean, she's crossed into irredeemable territory and. So I guess that's a tough load for the storytellers and the actress to carry because, uh, like, how, how do you keep it nuanced and interesting when a character's crossed over to a place where it, it seems like redemption is very unlikely? And also, how do you keep it from being just like a... I don't know, tropey, maybe not like it, like, and they managed to pull that off. And I think Jamie, Jamie's story was a big help in that, uh, because we were able to kind of see like, um, that he was kind of like, like uh, that he just has this, um, unhealthy relationship with his sister. And I'm not even talking about the, the original relation, the original, not unhealthy relationship. Uh, and like there kept being these markers to like, I mean, for a long time now, but especially starting in the middle of last season, uh, to be like where he, he kind of sees, uh, I think, especially with, uh, whoever the Blackfish's son is, I forget now, like that's another character I liked, but, uh, where Jamie's driven by something that he doesn't even understand towards Cersei. And is it going to drive, like, like, I really like that we we seem to have got an answer. And again, like, it was like, one of the main things I love about Game of Thrones is the misdirection. I thought we had one or two answers earlier. And the way it resolves itself, or seemingly has, it, it almost seemed like it was impossible. But when you look way back to Jamie, the time Jamie spent with Brienne, now it's like, oh, it seemed impossible, but also it, it like, um, we're, we're inevitable. And I just love that, like, like, uh, that somehow in all of this, uh, pomp and circumstance, they can have this, uh, very human character. I mean, that's likable in some sense because he's devastatingly handsome and, and charming. But that, like, uh, he's just like, I mean, if he had a chance, he'd say, like, like I mean, he kind of did, uh, with Olana, like, uh, like, I'm just a human, like, I don't know what the heck I'm doing. I'm a human. Like, like, I can't, like, uh, I don't understand it myself. Uh, and yes, I may be riding right into my doom. And I mean, maybe Cersei's biggest mistake was, uh, not realizing, uh, the gravity of, uh, playing with that, of like, over, like, I think in the end, it, she over-manipulated Jamie, and that was like, uh, the last straw for him, uh, that kind of woke him to his senses, it was like, oh, this woman, like, I am nothing to her, I think maybe before the end of the season, I said, well, she's, like, irredeemable, but there's still something good for her, that I, that we have together. And, and it seemed like she was leading him that way this season. And then 
you know, wh- whether she, she's really pregnant or not really pregnant doesn't matter is that, uh, it was kind of something simple. Like they, she didn't tell him about, like, uh, that she had this secret plan. Well, it was bigger than that. Maybe that, that, uh, she doesn't care about She cares more about herself than humanity. Uh, so I guess it was this collision of that big issue along with this little issue of like, no, 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 I don't care about you either. Like, uh, at all. Uh, just using you. I mean, maybe, I don't know. It, it, like, but I really thought, uh, I don't know. I thought that was a nice story this season. I mean, we got a little bit of Bron, probably not. Uh, I don't know. I guess we got a good, good enough amount of Bron. Uh, like, uh, but, but like just seeing Jamie kind of travel and return, and then try to leave, and then uh, finally, like he's like, okay, this is like uh, ridiculous. Uh, like I don't understand. Like. Uh, you are irredeemable, or you've gone beyond the pale. And I also really enjoyed whatever Clyburn's doing behind the scenes, but Cersei's ability to outsmart me and outtrick me, like, was enjoyable to know that she was always a few steps ahead of me, and that that will continue to be the case. Like, that makes the show eminently watchable, or like, uh, to me. It's like, okay, I have no, I have great trust in everyone making the show and the characters, like, uh, ability to influence the story, too. So, like, I, I loved that. Uh, trying to think of what else between Jamie and Cersei. I mean, Sir Gregor, he didn't really, uh, have anything. Uh, I mean, Cersei, she's just really not well. I mean, I think that's what approved, like, but beyond the pale. Like she's driven, I mean, she's always been driven by some very sandbox level, very strange, like, uh, family dysfunction. I mean, I'm not a, a therapist or a psychiatrist or a psychologist, but like her actions on Game of Thrones epitomize what I love about it, which is like that, uh, it's just like children playing in the sandbox. And she, while probably being one of the most mature characters, and one of the most intelligent and cunning characters is also the most childlike uh, and simplistic in some sense, in some sense, because it's like almost like a like a a child acting out when you they like when they're too tired and you say I don't even understand why you're acting this way. He's kind of like the motivations at her depth. I mean, other than like, I mean, like the, the real things that are driving her. But even then, you say well, Jamie. Jamie, it's like, well, what do you mean, like? If a family's driving you, like, I like I just don't get that. And she's like, yeah, right, you don't get it, dude. And I think that it was just a nice way that he left, but she still, like, it went from being Jamie trapped to seriously trapped uh, by, by her own behavior. And, like, so that was, like, I was a little bit sad for her standing watching him leave, uh, I thought that was a powerful, powerful moment. And I think it was powerful, the small scale of that story in some sense, that most of Circe's, I don't know if this was intentional, but most of her story was confined to, to wherever that part of the Red Keep is with the map and her offices. And while, while there was other stuff going on, I don't know, I think that was just another interesting, interesting part of it. 
So I guess that cover, maybe that covers Cersei and Jamie. So then the other, I mean, we have the big overarching story. I'm trying to think what uh, Khaleesi's story is. I mean, if she's returning to her homeland or her place of birth or her ancestral home. And like, I think, like, I guess maybe seeing the complexities of power. I mean, I think that was a discussion like, power is not pretty. And making decisions, these global level decisions almost, or how am I going to play, how am I going to use this power? And what does it say about what kind of leader I am? And like, uh, uh, like again, that, that, that none of this is easy and none of it is clear. And I'm not getting the best, like, like, uh, who's advising me and how much do I listen to these advisors? I mean, the, the high point was Alana again saying, uh, your dragon be a dragon. Uh, but again, that was almost, it was clear and cryptic at the same time. Cause it's like, well, what does that, what does that even mean? Like, uh, I'm not a three eyed Raven then. Would it, like, like maybe that was like a conversation, Brandon, three-eyed raven. He said, Brand, you're going to be a three-eyed raven, so be the three-eyed raven. And Brandon said, well, I don't even know what that means. Uh, and they said, well, it's just like, it's like, does it make any sense to you? Brandon said, no. Okay. Like, yeah, it's weird, man. So, but be, be a dragon. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. Uh, like just like it leaves a wonderful taste in my mouth that, that, uh, but I guess to trust your instincts and, and try stuff that your instincts are pushing you through then over calculation. And maybe that's like the counter to like, like that, how Cersei is behaving. I mean, Cersei's cunning, but she says she doesn't seem to, to ever over calculate or. And she she doesn't rule. I mean, other than Clyburn, it's not like she's like, uh, huh? What should I do? Or like she's action oriented and putting in place her plan and then adjusting her plan. Her plan needed some adjustment a few times this season, and she was able to do that. And I guess it's easier with Cersei because Cersei knows the end game, total control of everything, with Cersei at the head. Where the Khaleesi's like a little more nuanced, like, well, what kind of ruler do I want to be? What kind of impact? Well, this is what uh, Tyrion's saying. Uh, who's this Jon Snow? What does he want? Uh, well, I wanted to deal with Cersei. Now there's this other thing in the north. Uh, like back when she was the breaker of chains, she just broke chains, right? Like, uh, and dealt with it. And I guess she had to, like, then she had to rule uh, uh, the city with all the pyramids. And that wasn't easy either. So I don't know. I forgot about Sam, though, but I think his, like, journey was pretty clear. He's a hero. I mean, he's the best Charlie. That's, it's that simple. Like, uh, luckily now, he doesn't have to worry about, uh, like, uh, whatever I call his dad, Buttface Charlie or whatever. Yeah, Buttface and Dick and Charlie, uh, his brother didn't seem that bad, but just a little uppity. But, uh, but I mean, his was very clear, like, uh. A hero sometimes gives up on his dreams or what he wants uh, for the good of others uh, and takes risks. And it was, Sam took a lot of risks this season. So that was a nice one. Okay, so back to Khaleesi. I, I don't know. I think Khaleesi's season was just, uh, uh, so I guess, so part of the main story that uh, it's kind of inseparable. But yeah, like what a what a like uh, what a load to bear, and then uh, 
you know, have to deal with Jon Snow and then deal with these complex feelings about Jon Snow and to deal with the relationship with the dragons, to deal with all this birth talk or mothering talk, and then to have one of your dragons uh, stay north of the wall. Uh, in, in, I don't know, to, to, to uh, I mean, I guess in the end, she decided to change her plans too and say, well, what's best for everybody? Uh, uh, maybe I don't need to r- worry about being a ruler right now. I have to worry about this helping, helping everybody. And then I don't know who this Jon Snow is. He's, you know, pretty heroic and he's, his middle name self, self-sacrifice, uh, and his hair and everything. So, uh, not that I'm irritated at all by that. I mean, he's definitely irritated a few times by Davos. Now, his comedic relief was phenomenal. And maybe I was just like, I guess I heard a theory from my brother, Ken. And he basically said, like, like so I was telling him, I'm like, man, Davos is getting, like, why has he got to be such, like, a, like, a, why has he got to be creeping Masande out? Like, I, like, I'm saving her for Grey Worm. And, like, I don't want anybody bugging her. And my brother was like, basically, look at it this way. Davos is a very loyal character, and he was stuck with Stannis, who's basically, like, as dull as a saltine cracker or whatever, or dry as a saltine cracker this whole time. So now he gets to be with Jon Snow. He's the second in charge. And so he's like his belt's looser. He's just like, hey, man, this is great. And, and then he's never been around women before, really. So suddenly, like, it kind of throws him off. Uh, so he's just like, uh, like, like feeling like uh, he's just enjoying himself and having a little bit of fun, you know, being a character. And I said, OK, I could see that, but I just don't like it. I mean, for the most part, and just like some of his com- comedic relief and then Tormund's. Like the hound, it was more much more serious because he has sad eyes. I mean, he still had some funny lines, but I think like uh, and uh, Tyrion d- did not have too much uh, comedic relief. Uh, Varys was very quiet this season. He just had that one mysterious moment. Um, and Sir Jorah really uh, he got helped by Sam, and uh, like he got to be on the super team, which is cool. And it was good. To, like I mean that that I already talked about. It couldn't been happier. Like I like the Brotherhood without banners. Um, Gendry's not bad, great runner, uh, but the Hound and the uh, uh, and then to have. Uh, uh, Tormund and uh, I mean Davos was stayed home because he said I'm not good at anything, but uh, that that was great. Uh, so that was it, and then I guess like the overall arching arc of the season was, hey, humanity's in a bit of trouble here. Uh, wait till 2019 or whatever when we finish this up. Uh, but again, I think a lot of it is due to these incredible. The, the the funding they're getting now to do this incredible CGI and, and, and scene painting and going to these amazing locations. And that's what drives, uh, like, I guess, like, a, they have to intersect the story with expectations and, and what works. And those are the things that are working. And that's not easy balance to strike with all those things. But they're they're doing a pretty good, darn good job, in my opinion. And, you know, there's different kinds of television, like there's Game of Thrones and then there's Leftovers, which I'm watching now. And so it's like, uh, 
Like it's, it's it's different things, but it's like again, like a human experience uh, in in the end a lot of times. But there, you know, there, there's a lot of pomp and circumstance with Game of Thrones and cool stuff. Um, I'm trying to think what else what else is we have in this season. Who who else we didn't see from Jacquin. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. Hopefully. Uh, probably the Red Priestess will come back. I don't know if the Golden Company will come to Circe's rescue or not. Uh, I don't know about uh, Khaleesi's old boyfriend. Uh, what's his name? Um, that's played by Dario Naharis or whatever. Um, I'm trying to think what else uh, What else we missed. Uh, what else I'm not thinking of. But, I mean, uh, oh, um Here's something. I, I don't understand what's going on with the uh, people in Sunspear. Uh, what is that called? Whatever that place is. It's like uh, they couldn't get the boats to pick them up, or were they on the boats? Because uh, otherwise, can't they freaking walk up north? Uh, whatever that place is where uh, like gold, where, where they wear the gold stuff, uh, where Elias Sands from. Yeah, but again, I think that was just a story thing. And I guess it was difficult this season that uh, Westeros got a lot smaller, you know, to make it the ability to tell the story. And that wasn't easy that uh, whatever Deus Ex Machina or Egg, Mag- Egg Salad or whatever you say, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, but, you know, uh, what are you going to do? I mean, uh, like... Uh, I mean, it was interesting that it went from taking freaking for a whole freaking season to get somewhere, but you know, uh, I guess in the end, it's it's got to get done. And I find those things just better than I think. Like it's like I'm here to enjoy myself and be, be immersed in the story, and, and particularly to enjoy being misdirected. I don't know if there's any other misdirections that I was thinking of. Uh, I'm trying to think, Brian, like. Uh, and I don't know. Like, we didn't see a lot of Ed Tollett this season, or Ned Tollett, whatever the heck his name is. He opened the door a couple times. I guess he's at Castle Black, and everything was moved over to uh, Eastwatch. Uh, and I guess Castle Black is probably the place to be. Like, move north. How about this? Move north of the wall. There's some advice. You know, it might be cold, but uh, at least, you, you know... There's a freaking no, uh, like, a feist or whatever that thing was spraying out of its mouth. But so in the end, I think it was a great season. I mean, again, I could have used three more episodes just for my own pleasure. But I think I'm most struck uh, by Jamie and Sansa. Like, if I had to say, who are the VIPs for the season? I don't know who I'd <laughs> like, uh say Tormund and Davos is like a uh, humor and cool Dra- Drogon. It was definitely up there. There's so much cool stuff with Drogon, but I'd say like, uh, the, the, like an Arya, but like, uh, I think Arya and Sansa together and Jamie like really had, I mean, I think like Jon Snow's already heroic. I guess Sam, I mean, Sam VIP, v, VIP or whatever, v, MVP for the season, Samuel Tarly. Uh, but like, I'd say maybe he's like the sleeper of the season. Maybe Jamie's the sleeper of the season. I don't know. Can you give an award to every character? It, it, we definitely didn't get enough Missandei, but I mean, I'm kind of over, like, I just like, just, like, I just like, she's like, a, 
not available. So it's like, what am I going to do other than like my heart beats a lot when I see it loved her hair this season and especially watching it blowing in the wind in window, like her, 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 her silence, silent kind of confidence. Uh, but yeah, I'd say like, like I really enjoyed Sam's journey, like of heroism. I liked Bran, how like strange he was, but it, like embracing the strange and how it was kind of comedic at times, but not always. He did spend a lot of time with that friggin' tree though. And again, I don't know about that Chuck E. Cheese face in the tree, but I would upgrade that with some CGI. Or just do some bonus scenes with it freaking singing. Like, it's my opinion. Like, uh, like internet bonus scenes with the singing to Bran or, you know, talk, messing with Bran and cracking him up. Uh, saying, Polly want a cracker or something like that. Yeah, it was good. Jam- yeah, I don't know. I don't need to talk about it too much. Uh, great season, season seven. And so I'll see you at season eight. What do you say? Uh, whenever that's there, I'll be here watching. And uh, let's get the rest of this episode going here, huh? Okay, Podman, I'm ready. Okay, okay, are you sure? Yes, I, I just am going to miss it. And I don't like uh, the FDC. Is it the FDC or the FDCD? Don't worry, don't say those letters, Simon. Oh, okay. I would like to trade in. Like, Okay, don't worry. I want you to become Burlinghoffer now. Okay, I'm becoming Isringhouse and Burlinghoffer. Okay. Yeah, just think about, you know, John Luke and data tricking. Oh, yes, okay, I'm ready. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls and friends beyond the binary, it's uh, time to interrupt your, spe- for your special for program for a very special program. Amazing solutions to everyday problems with your hosts, uh, Gene. In Isringhausen, Burlinghoffer, for K-Pounce Radio, the radio of uh, boys and cats and best friends everywhere, K-Pounce. Oh, thanks, Al. Oh, uh, geez, uh, I'm here with Gene. I'm Isringhausen, Burlinghoffer. Gene, say hello. I'm Isringhausen, Burlinghoffer, futurist uh, from the future. And when, even when I was in the future, I was thinking about the future beyond that. In the past, I've traveled to time and space. And I've dealt with people in the Federation and more than one Federation I've run afoul of because of my vision. And we started a program here on your time on Earth uh, to raise uh, to, 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 for, for candy funds and uh, toy funds and because uh, my greens, the, the dough, the, the dough I play with, it always tries out. Uh, and also the Goes, the Legos, they always come out with new ones. So they cost, uh, okay, I'm not supposed to talk about those things, but we started a fund here, and we were raising, we, 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 we were hoping to raise a bunch of, but then the FDA, FDA CDA or something said, uh, uh, whatever. Uh, but, you know, we, we don't give up here because, you know, you we don't want you to give up on your everyday solutions to everyday problems because nothing is everyday except for something that you may need in your life. And we're selling it today for the price of 0.0. Oh, the control panel's freaking out. Uh, they say I'm not authorized to give this away, and they don't know what I'm doing, but I know what I'm doing. My name is uh, Isringhausen Berlinghofer, and I'm here to tell you a quick story about a boy uh, that I once was, you know, before I was a man. 
uh, with, you know, hair on my body. That's how much of a man I am. I mean, like, it looks like it's growing. I said, is that, is that hair growing there or what? Uh, and a boy that will one day have hair on his lips. Uh, but not a, a, like, a, how come the hair does not grow? It grows around the lips. It doesn't make any sense to me. Gene, what do you think? Is hair smart or what? Man's man. You're right. It is. It, it, it's like uh, in the membrane, just like that song Podman sing, sings. Uh, anyway, I'm here because, uh, you know, I was once a boy. And I, I lived a life, and it was a full life for a boy to live. Uh, we'll just say that. I, uh, I lived in a place that will be almost nameless, uh, Rose, Rose, west of the Rose, we'll say. And, uh, you know, I had some ups and some downs. And through it all, I had someone at my side, someone to carry me through. It was my friend Gene, who's really Sapounce. Sapounce, introduce yourself. Yes, man. Yes, ta-da. That's Sapounce, and he's my best friend. That's Oh, that's what you said. I'm sorry I started talking. You're my best friend, yes. And that's what I'm pitching today is the solution to so many of your problems is friendship. Uh, it is an everyday solution, and it's an amazing solution to everyday problems is friends. Now, you might say, Isringhausen, Berlinghofer, you've come from the future to tell us to be friends. Well, no, no, no I'm reminding you uh, to be friends because sometimes I feel like uh, even I forget. Luckily, I have a best friend that's a cat. And cats have a way of reminding you by sticking their head under your hand or licking between your thumb and your finger with a sandpaper tongue that makes me giggle. Thank you, Sapounce. Uh, when you have a frowny face, uh, that's what your best friend does if it's a cat. Now, maybe not. Uh, don't do that uh, to, in, in real life. Uh, uh, but I've been looking around your world, and I said to them, hmm, there's uh, more than... Uh, People said, uh, uh, Isringhausen, uh, uh, Tommen, that's my real name. I'm Prince Tommen, really. It's it's just a character I play, Isringhausen Berlinghofer, or Rasmussen Berlinghofer. However, you, the podman, writes it down in his scribble. And yes, I'm going off script and I'm going rogue, podman, because uh, there's nothing more in vogue than friendship uh, that could be. And I'm here to remind you that from the future and from the past and from the places of fan and fiction is to be a friend. Now, we all need friends, right? And you could be saying, geez, what have you done for me lately, Eddie? I thought you were my best friend, but it turns out you're just a character on that TV show with your father with uh, and your mother, the Moonsters or whatever. And they have their own cheese, you know, those characters. I said, I want only to eat Munster cheese sandwiches from now on, now that I know about it. Oh, keep going. Badman said, keep going with the friendship stuff. So, and I know this is tough, and I, I, so I'm, I'm going I'm to soft sell you on it. Uh, it's easy to, uh, it's not easy to have a friend, but it's much harder to be a friend. And sometimes it may be not even being a friend to people you're friends with, which is strange. You could start with the smile later we talked about last episode. And maybe even we just take an F off it and call it a rend, because maybe that's easier. It's less committed with uh, 
is to walk around and say, who needs a little wren ship? Uh, Sipounce, that's how you usually say it anyway. Rain, rain. Rend, rend, rain. Friendship and rain. Two things you can count on with Sipounce. Is you just go around and say, hey, dude, like, dude, would it, like, for, you know, a rend would say, hey, let me carry that bag for you. Hey, you look frowny, or you look, oh, geez, you seems like you're having a hard day. And, you know, do, like, uh, do that outside, you know, outside of your house. Uh, uh, and don't say, another thing friends don't do is say, razafrazen, free and frozen, when they're looking on the book of faces, which the podman does. He says he can only use the, the internet very rarely because he's so busy. But when he does, sometimes he gets on there and his face changes. And then he goes, Raza, frozen, frozen, frozen. And he's flicking with his thumb. I think that used to be called Renbook. And we like, but just to, you know what I mean, folks? That's what I'm selling this week is friendship or Renship, uh, a lighter version of friendship uh, that you do for others. And it'll come back to you. I know this because uh, think about the journey I've had. Uh, not an easy one, but now I live with a man named the Gregor and a man named Ray, who is my friend. He's a father figure and a friend to me. And I have my best friend all the time, the whole way through, Sapounce. And even the Podman, who tries not to be my friend because he says he, you know, makes him feel a swing squange inside his, his where his heart used to be, he pats my back and says, "It's okay, Tom, and you're going to be okay." You, 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 and he even tells me one time when I when I do say, "Is the hair growing there? Is this my man hair growing?" He says, "I think it is, Tom, and I think you're becoming a man." And I said, well, it's about time. And he said, you've been a man longer than you know, Tom. And you're like, uh, he always says things like that to boost me up. I think that's really what he's doing. But that's a rent. That's a friendship. And of course, sometimes it's not easy, especially with me when I demand things, because I've used, I'm used to being treated quite well. And adjusting to this plebeian life has not been easy for me. And I still order people around sometimes, or throw fits, or, th you know, uh, throw tantrums. Uh, I demand four chickens for dinner, or, you know, the heaviest chickens right in the store, the cooked rotisserie. I don't know how they do the rotisserie, but I will grab them and run through the store with them in my arms. And then the podman will say, no, no, we have food at home. And they say, no, I want my chickens. Oh. Uh, but still, he says, uh, you know, someday, you know, he says, okay, well, you could keep it warm until, and then we'll put it back on the shelf. Uh, you go, you know, he still can be a rend, uh, even when I'm difficult. Uh, and that's the time, like, I need a rend really the most when I'm acting out. Uh, really, I've learned these things from, uh, the, I've been watching reruns of this man, Phil Donahue. He's taught me so much on uh, the tube. Uh, that's the only thing Ray will let me watch is I say, oh, this is Phil Donahue. If only he could have been my father. <laughs> but uh, he, he, I've learned many things from that. Uh, and so I'm trying. Uh, when I'm difficult in acting out is really when I am saying, could you be my friend? I'm acting like I don't want you to be my friend or it's going to be incredibly not fun to be my friend. Be my friend. 
And I'm not saying it's easy. Again, this is amazing solutions to everyday problems. Uh, and it's not going to fix everything. Uh, there's some things that cannot be fixed. Uh, or, so, you know, believe me, if anyone knows these things, it's I. I my mother is like uh, caring about with a blue-faced man and all of those things. So, uh, you know, it's, it's not easy being a human or a Westerosi. Or from, you know, a Khaleesi even. Uh, but Padman told me to say that. Uh, or an interpreter. He also said to say that. So be a friend or be a rend. If you're not ready to be a friend, be a rend. Even when it's odd. And just do it because in the end it will come back to you. It really does. Uh, I mean, I don't really do anything for any of them. So I say it's just practice, Padman. It's I'm practicing, I'm developing your rendship organs. And, you know, Sir Pounce has taught me how to be. I, I, one day I will, when I I told the podman, I'll be a friend. Uh, he said, why don't you do anything for me? Nice. And I said, I did. I ate all your ice cream. It saves you from every, you know, I've saved you. And then he says, please, really? And I said, well, uh, anyway, but he, uh, what was I saying? I got mixed up there. Oh, it's not easy. Oh, when I have hair, when I have my man hair in, then I will do, I will become a friend then because I'll be an adult and then I'll start acting like one. But you could act like an adult whenever you want. It's not, again, it's worth it and you're worth it. You're worth having people be friend to you. But the weird thing is, it's not fair. When you're not a royal, it's not fair. You got to be a friend first, I guess. So, friendship, free shipping and handling. Because you do it yourself, that's it, like, uh, but we won't be charging you. Thank you for being my friend this year. I know a lot of you have sent me nice words and wondered uh, if I'm good and I'm doing great. Uh, because, uh, you know, I, I have something to do. The podman keeps me busy with this, uh, trying to read his handwriting and giving him notes and saying, this won't do. Rewrite it again. And also bring me some chicken. Or some, you know. So anyway, thank you for listening to K-Pounce Radio. From all of us at K-Pounce Radio, we're your friends. It's a radio station, K-Pounce, of uh, boys and girls, uh, cats and kids, and friends beyond the binary. Because we mean it. We love you out here at K-Pounce. Thanks for listening. And be a friend, because we're friends to you. Thank you, friends, and good day. From Sapam, Sapamin, Sapamin, and Sapounce. Sapounce, say goodbye. Ryan, my. Right on, Sapounce. Uh, Isringhausen Berlinghofer signing off. Wow, Tom, and I'm totally touched. I'm touched too. Your, your listeners are good people. And uh, is Mike still on? I want to, like, they're wonderful people, those listeners. You have a special thing, Podman, really. And you you know, even though I live in your brain, one day, you know, this, you know, if being unhealthy helps you be healthy, then it's okay. So be a rend. I'll try. I'll try. Thanks, Tom. Okay. Thank you, everyone. Okay. Signing off. K-Pounce Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, friends and cats, beyond the binary. K-Pounce Radio. The radio of rendship. Signing off. Crone, uh, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog God, it's me praying in. I don't know if this will be the last time I talk to you for, for a while or what. Uh, 
you know, when's the, when's the next uh, GOT holiday other than the season premiere? Uh, it is Joe Crone. Well, probably, probably not. I mean, the next time I stub my toe, I'll be saying uh, something, something, something Crone. It's something else, something else. Uh, believe, you know, when Crone, do you read any old comics where they have the different letters uh, for swear words? You know, asterisk, hashtag, about sign, crone, exclamation, all caps. Anyway, crone, sweet, sweet crone, Miller Smith, Barky, Jester, Hound Dog Guide. We're praying in because uh, I forgot where I left off on my last prayer. But since this may or may not be the last one I send out to you, I figure let's get it all, let's get it going, let's get it started. And ended at the same time. And oh, the circle of the gods, how wise, oldest of the old, newest of the new. And this season, gods, I was praying, you know, uh, for help being a better person, to be honest. Uh, ideally, that would have come with, you know, ideally that comes with some uh, some tangible benefits and intangible ones. And I figured I could become a better listener. Yeah, because they figure that's all you guys do is sit up there and maybe listen or don't listen. Kind of like the way the podcast works. Like the listeners can passively listen. You guys, uh, I didn't realize it. Guys, have I been just putting you to sleep the whole time, Crone? Crone. Crone. Do you love when I do that, Crone, when I pretend you're, I can't tell if you're asleep. Crone, I'm talking to you. I would never say that, but I was praying up for uh, help with listening. And this season, I was going to ask for help with the the five A's they call it in the book. Uh, the the book I'm reading: uh, attention, acceptance, appreciation, affection, and allowing. Did I forget to appreciate you, Crone, sweet sweet Crone, with affection? I appreciate your wisdom. I appreciate the life lessons you send down to me. I appreciate your help in allowing other people to be themselves uh, and help me to accept my follies, even when I project onto you my shortcomings, Crone. And that I can ask and say, I'm sorry, Crone, I was wrong to uh, joke with you. And uh, like when, you know, when my motivations are pure, which is always, I mean, let's be like, uh, but Crone, sweet, sweet Crone, thank you so much for. Help with the five A's. Help me this off season. You know, uh, I would appreciate a couple extra episodes. I would appreciate 10 episodes. I know it's tough and expensive to make the show. And they want to make the best. I can relate to all that, but I just miss it so much. Uh, but, oh, Crone, thank you. And help me, you know, help me with those things. Help, help me do that so I can be a better... Uh, a sibling to the world, a brother, a sister, cousin to the world, the kindest cousin, like not a kissing cousin. Oh, Crone. Thank you, Crone. Miller, uh, acceptance, appreciation, allowing, acceptance, appreciation, allowing, affection. Ooh, I, 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 gotta, I forgot them all already. Appreciation, accept, like allowing. I don't know, Miller. You know, my brain's been ground up uh, and repackaged. But, Miller, help me be a better listener. I know you're trying. And, you know, just like the big wheel, as I've said every time, the big wheel keeps on turning. Uh, You know, you're like the paddle wheel, 
you know, kind of like who which came first, Miller's wheel or the paddle wheel, Miller? Probably the Miller's wheel. You're right. Oh boy, I say I didn't mean to offend you. You know, but like the slow turning of a paddle wheel, which is kind of like always in my brain, just a pad, just like Homer Simpson. You could, Miller, you familiar with the Simpsons? Allow me to introduce you to the Simpsons, Miller, and uh, maybe you're more responsible with devices than Barky. Is I could get you some, uh, I think uh, F double X or something. They have all the Simpsons episodes. I think you would appreciate them. I think you would have affection for them. I think you should allow yourself uh, and accept yourself uh, to have some time with the Simpsons and whatever the other one is. Appreciate, did I say that? Uh, I think that would be your thing, Miller. While you're grinding, can you watch something while you're grinding, while the wheel's grinding? Because you're just a god. You're doing the god stuff. so more meta is it more metaphorical for you? But anyway, Miller, thanks for the help. Uh, Smith, you, uh, you know, grinder of grains, that's Miller. Uh, Smith, uh, forger of irons, you know, architect of alloys. How do you like that, Miss Smith? How do you like that one? Uh, and helping me with the five A's, giving me the armor uh, that I needed to take off uh, by giving me armor. You showed me how to remove it. The wisdom of the smith. The first, I set aside my shield of uh, not allowing, and I set it aside at the behest of the smith, who I accidentally called a miller sometimes. And I could start to allow other people and myself to be human. And then I, like, as I took off the great plate mail surrounding my heart and my mind and my niceness, I maybe could appreciate the the other and myself and the humans. And by appreciating them, I could also accept them, which is kind of like allowing. So maybe as this off-season goes on, I'll understand those differences. And eventually I could have affection for all that stuff. And whatever the other A forgot was, uh, it's not aptitude because I don't have that yet. Uh, but thanks, Smith. Uh, you know, without you saying uh, to me, hey, uh, that's not chain mail and don't put it in your mouth. I would have, you know, would have never known uh, how to open my heart to other people. And, you know, like we said, don't, you know, I've unhardened my heart. Uh, so thanks, Smith. Thanks for being around. Thanks for letting me talk to you. And, you know, what, what can I say other than you're great? Uh, good night. Oh, Barky. Uh, hey, what can I say, Barky? If there was 50, if there's five A's, I'd give you 50 A's. Uh, and it'd give you some A pluses because, oh, how your branches allow me respite. Oh, how even the roughest of bark feels affectionate on my cheek. Uh, and climbing in your limbs makes me appreciate uh, being, you know, being able to climb and being able to see, to appreciate the, the cool breezes and the warm breezes, the pattering of rain. Oh, Barky, how how much, you know, you've done a lot for me, Barky, and appreciate it. And uh, allow me to say thanks. I uh, already did with that with the crone, but... uh and, uh, like, uh, whatever the other ones, Barky, I get, like, I'm, I'm just as twisted as the branches in your trees. 
Oh, attention. I guess that's what I had to look it up, Barky. But that's what I'm showing you guys by prayering up. So uh, thanks for the attention you shower on me. All the shade. You don't, you, you know, you throw shade on me a lot, but uh, it's a different kind. It's the kind that, uh, you know, give, prevents sunburn. But mostly, Barky, I want to thank you for the smiles. And also, you know, for uh, all the money I'm not getting back for the rusty electronics. Uh, but I appreciate you, and I appreciate the uh, kindness you've done for me, and all you, you know, thanks, Barky. Uh, Jester and Hound Dog, I don't want to get too uh, mushy for the two of you, but, uh, you know, allow me to say I couldn't have done it without either one of you, laughing at myself, appreciating my foibles and my grouchiness. Paying attention to my, you know, ability to uh, not pay attention. Thank you for that. You know, thank you for teaching me, uh, you know, hound dog, what a grouchy affection is. And, uh, you know, Jester, what unattainable, you know, how, how I can't attain affection how you do. But maybe I could learn a thing or two, you know, you know what I mean. I appreciate it. I appreciate the examples you stand up there, all you gods. You know, I accept I'm just a human, and I don't know what I'm doing, and I want to be better. I mean, that's what this season was all about for me, was saying, hey, I'd like to be a better person. I'd like to uh, make out the maiden, which, uh, you know, if either way, maiden, if I'm not a good person, then I'm a bad boy. You know, Maiden, maybe I even need to be disciplined. I don't know if that's on your, you know, menu, you know, soup du jour. Uh, but if it's, or I could be, you know, I'm on the road to good, you know, not even being a good person. You know, I just like to be a decent one and help other people, you know, and say, hey, well, like, uh, I'm here to listen. I'm here to help. Uh, and of course, guys, I want the rich stuff. I mean, who who would have thought this season was just about being nice? You know better than me. Also, give me some rich stuff and some of the, you know, God stuff, some thunderbolts. Uh, I waited till this time to pray for any of that stuff. But give it, give, you know, give me some cauldrons of, uh, you know, power and all those things, too. But if you can't give me those things, I'll take I'll take me a little being a little bit nicer, guys. Thank you. And I'll miss you. I'll talk to you soon. Good night.